Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today, we're going to be talking about one-shot games, options and structure, and building them and running them. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show today. With me in the studio is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Yo, yeah. So if you only had one shot... One game session to achieve everything your character has always wanted. Would you seize that opportunity or would you let it fade? So today we are talking one shots, gaming sessions that are not intended to be an ongoing campaign. Just a little different, little change. Um, Let's start by getting right out of the way with a definition on what we're talking about when we talk about one shot games. Yeah. Well, there's the obvious definition. One shot means one shot. You're going to play at one gaming session. One shot, one opportunity. Exactly. Uh, See, someone gets my references. Uh, But, you know, also, I mean, you could technically create a one shot that's like, well, uh, you know, you create a a story arc that's maybe a six or eight hour or ten hour arc. So you're like, yeah, it might need two sessions, maybe three at the most. It still sort of qualifies about what we'll be covering, just short gaming uh, stories just for sort of quick play. Mini campaigns. Exactly. Mostly it's just going to be just the one shot, if you can, fit it all in one gaming session. But you might come up with some other cool things that tie in and make the game just a little bit better. And it might just take it a little bit longer. So you might have to do the, the second or maybe even at most the third session to finish everything. Right. And then uh, we're... Setting up at the beginning, we're going to have character creation, which is, I think, going to be very different from when you would run an ongoing campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, like running a campaign, you have options of everybody making the the, the characters together. You have uh, pre-made characters where the players make them and bring them to the table, or the DM can make them and hand them out. Um, we can talk for a moment on some of the options there. Uh, I know you guys, when you were down at PortCon 2017... Last month, both ran one shots and That's right. didn't you both did pre-generated characters or I did pre-generated characters, but he had people either bring or create on the spot. Right. Right. Uh, the original idea was for people to bring characters that were already made. Uh, unfortunately, there was a little slip up in the information getting out. So we ended up making characters on the spot. OK, how that uh, work out? It worked out fine. You know, I uh, everyone or most everyone there was familiar enough with the system that they could make characters pretty quick. Uh, and, um, I helped make sure to guide people through that. So, and then the pre-generated characters was pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty well. I just thought, you know, for mine, I would just, you know, eliminate a potential hurdle. And also on my, his game was set up for six hours. Mine was only set up for four. I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be spending that whole four hours making characters. Uh, and again, like, because you don't know who's going to be there for power uh, for players, I didn't want to worry about like any like big, huge, you know, obvious power gaps so i just grabbed some pre-generated characters right off the wizards of the coast website Mm -hmm. they have a bunch of level one through ten characters like there's a bunch of different options for characters and then you can choose what level you want them to exist at between one and ten so i just went through and grabbed uh you know a balanced party of five players at level five and printed them off and bob's your uncle 
Yeah, if you if you remember the night before the game, I was thinking of creating like six or seven pre-made characters mm-hmm. uh, just to have those ready. But it, it, that ended up falling through because I had other things I had to work on for the game, too. And then I got tired. So. <laughs> yeah. And actually, there's a, there's another nice point that Jared brought up there is that uh, you're often with one shots. You're not going to start with level one characters. I know we brought up before that campaigns it's, can be a very good idea and there can be different benefits to starting at level one. Right. I think with one shots, you want to start at a higher level so that your players have more options. Yeah, especially in certain systems, like specifically we're playing fifth edition where most character classes don't even really start to come into their own until a minimum of level three. Right. Uh, you know, like your fighter doesn't even get to choose whether they're a champion, a battle master or an Eldritch Knight until level three. So if you're not starting them at at least level three, they're not even going to really have even the beginnings of the full potential of their character. Yeah. And also, if you start them at a higher level, not only do they have more options available to them, but they also have more hit points. I mean, it's sort of when you create the one shot encounter or the one shot gaming session, you can think of it as sort of just a large dungeon. You know, that way you can throw little things at them here and there to move the plot along. And then, you know, but not have to worry about, oh, no, I did six damage. Now they're at half health. You know, which would happen with a level one character with a level five character that's six damage. Okay, no problem. They're fine from that, you know, and then later on, they can take a short rest or whatnot and do some healing. It opens up a lot more options, too. I mean, who wants to play against kobolds for the 1300th time or goblins again or orcs again? You know, being, you know, especially like level five or higher, you can start bringing in cooler things like maybe some baby dragons or some minotaurs or, you know, some Yontir. You know, there's a lot more you can play with just, you know, pulling monsters right out of the monster manual without even tweaking anything. Exactly. And you can still you still definitely want to use those low CR uh, creatures for maybe like the meat of your campaign. Like, oh, there's maybe a bunch of kobolds that are attacking you, but you're going to maybe throw in some lizards. You're going to throw in some you know, sorcerers from here or there, you're going to throw in a dragon, maybe, you know, whatever. There'll be some tougher things to throw in there. And providing those extra options for the higher level characters. You know, fifth level character takes six hit points. Oh, well, they take another 20. Okay, now they're in trouble, but the paladin has lay on hands and the cleric has healing spells. And the druid can do some healing. Right. So you have options available to keep the, the party going, as it were. Um. And speaking character creations, we're also taught. We also put in uh, notes for considerations for backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, talking the character background isn't necessarily so important, but the GMs should have a good handle on their world. What's happening? What's going to happen? Yeah, uh, d- definitely. You want to know what you are running in the backgrounds as they pertain to the game for all of your for your setting and for your characters and that sort of thing. So you want to have that information ready, ready for the players. As far as their backgrounds, you know, they can pick what their background was. Maybe they were a noble or a criminal or maybe they were a, a, a hermit or something. That's fine. They can pick that because it's part of the mechanic. Uh, but you don't really have to go to in-depth backgrounds necessarily because it is one. The idea is you're only going to be playing these these characters for one gaming session, one to three gaming sessions. So it's not it's not as important to have that. But. You can also do it specifically background laden where it's like, okay, make some backgrounds up and maybe I'm going to make my one shot based off of all of your backgrounds. You know, I mean, that could be a thing that you do. So it's not that you can't do it, but it's in general, probably less important. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're basing the one shot around. I mean, if this is a one shot to practice your, your group's role playing abilities, because maybe they're mostly kind of a hack and slash group, 
Yeah. Then, yeah, that's a different situation. But nine times out of ten, your your backgrounds are like it's less important. A lot of time they're going to be based around like more of a hack and slash kind of vibe. Like we're trying to accomplish the storyline. It's typically, you know, it's it's railroaded. You know, like 99% of your one shots are going to be very railroaded. Oh, yeah. There might be a little bit of leeway here and there. You know, choices might be important. But they're going to be like a left or right, you know, in this dungeon, you know, which door do you take kind of, you know, option, not so much of a like, well, I'd like to go explore now. Like, eh, we kind of yeah. only have four hours to do this. I want to leave the city and explore the nearby caves. Well, that's really not part of this. Sorry. Yeah, the caves were just bombed. I guess, you know, that <laughs> might not be in our notes, but that is something that's important for the GMs to realize for one shots. It's going to be a very lead by the nose railroad style game. Uh, but I think... Most people should know that going into it, but if you have players that maybe really like sandbox games, just let them know. Say, hey, this is just a one shot, so yeah. it's not going to be like the other games. It's not going to be like a big sandbox to play in. There's a specific thing you got to do. And that gets into our point here, talking about setting and how much is necessary yeah. um, with a campaign. If you're running a game that's going to run week after week after week for months, you're going to want to make sure that you know, you know, who's running the town. What's the political climate? Where are the dangers? How are things going on? All these other settings that you need to help bring it together for a one shot. You don't need to know what travel is like to the south if everything's happening inside the city itself. Right. There's so much that you can cut out, which helps cut down on prep time a bit, mm -hmm. which kind of is, is one of those benefits. Like you don't need to know all these minute details about the world, um, but you need to know what is relevant in much more detail than you might in a campaign because you're going to want to keep it moving, which means it might be a little less on the improv side because you need to have focus and purpose, yeah. which we were talking about a moment ago. Yeah. Obviously like any game you need to know, okay, what's the, is it high magic, low magic? What's the setting of my, my deal? What are the characters going to be? Are they going to be in the city? Are they going to be traveling? You know, but beyond that, you, you know, beyond the specifics to the game, you don't have to come up with a lot. Yeah, I would kind of view it as like kind of like a snow globe setting. Like you only need to know what's inside this little snow globe. Yeah. Like this little city or whatever your setting is, this dungeon, you need to know everything is inside that globe, inside and out. But anything outside the globe does not exist. Right. But that being said, when you are building your setting, you probably want to have about I, I go with the the half to a full dozen range. Six to twelve locations, six to twelve uh in sort of important-ish NPCs uh, that, you know, no no more, no less than that number of, because you, you, you're you going to be running encounters. And I'm not saying six to 12 encounters. I'm saying, you know, locations or NPCs. Well, locations, the city, the castle, the tavern, the, you know, hidden thieves guild. The, those are locations. The NPCs, the tavern owner, the uh, princess that you're helping to save, you know, the king, captain of the king's guard or whatever. Those are your different NPCs. So these are just the different people that are involved in the thing that your people can interact with and places that they're going to go. You really don't have to think up more than, like I said, half a dozen to a dozen most. And this is uh, with our notes on structure. You've got this. So once you got your setting, you need to make sure that you set up your hook. Oh, yeah. Plot hooks. Why do the characters care? Um, this we've talked about in previous episodes. It is kind of a shared responsibility. The GMs need to present something that the characters are going to care about, but the characters also need to care about the things that the GM is presenting. You know, the GM dangles a hook, but the players do need to bite. 
Yeah, and this is one of those scenarios where like you shouldn't have to try to placate to every character individually. You should be able to say, the princess has been kidnapped. Yes. And then the whole group goes to save her. It shouldn't be one of those like, well, what's my character's motivation? Because he wouldn't really care about like, no, this is a one shot. You care. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you, an, an old friend asks for aid, you know, that, okay, maybe you want to set up the old friend first or not. It doesn't matter. The All of these characters know this person. This person is asking them for help. That's why they're there and they're going to help him. It's a one shot. That's what you tell your players. You know, um, if if they if they fight back, you present it as the plot hook, present it however you want to present it. They should follow you. But on the off chance, they don't just be like, hey, God, hey, look, this is a one shot. You kind of have to follow along in this. Usually they'll toe the line. And you can and you can use multiple plot points. I know mm -hmm. I've, I've had where. I did a one shot where the princess was kidnapped and the characters were, well, this person is the princess's bodyguard who is taking as a point of honor that he needs to recover it. And this person's in it because if he helps get her back, he's going to be rich. Yeah. And this person is like, well, I need a favor. So if I do this, I can get the favor I need. So you can use multiple hooks to bring different characters in. Yeah. So not everybody needs to do the same. You can, but I really, I think that's personally too more work than is necessary or should be necessary. Again, should be necessary. It doesn't mean you don't have to do it. But again, like if you're sitting down with the one shot, look guys, we're playing a one shot today. The princess has been kidnapped. Everyone should be like, all right, cool. Let's go save the princess. I shouldn't have to explain to every character why it might be beneficial to them. Like, it, you know, hey, if I do this to save the princess, then I get a favor in return. Like, what's that really going to develop into? Like, it's not going to be another session for it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, again, that's great if you want to put the extra work into because it adds more a little more immersion value to the one shot. And I just don't think that it's necessary. No, no, it's not necessary. Um, I would also actually add the caveat that if you're going to do that, you probably want to use pre-generated characters. So you already yes. know okay, this character is, go is going to go along for this reason. This is okay. the big yeah. presentation for yeah. this one. Yeah. I, I honestly can't remember which one it is, but I played in a game once that it was a it was a pre-generated game, for, I want to say for 3.5, maybe third edition. It might have been that that far back. Um, but it was, it was essentially a one-shot. It was this module, this little module that you got, and there were pre-made characters, and the players got to determine which character they were making, and there were special notes for each specific character. So this is why you're here. This is why you're interested. And also, this is the goal that you want to achieve during the game. It was a pretty interesting way of playing. So that might be something that you want to do. It does keep sort of an element of the mystery there. And it sort of does, in that sense, will keep the players sort of individualistic because they have their own unique things they want to do. Uh, but at the same time, they all have a reason for being there. And their reason for being there is written right on their character sheet. So you don't even really have to. You just explain this is the setting. You all know why you're here and you've shown up. Yeah, I've, I've actually I've, I've, see, I've seen a game that had that where as well, where it was pre-generated characters and everybody had an objective or they had something that they had to complete that they wanted to complete yeah. in the session. And it was all kept secret from each other because some of them were a, a little bit at odds with each other. Yeah, they to build the interparty conflict. Yeah, in this one, many of them were at odds with each other, and I think one of them was specifically like the one that was going to turn on the group. Like one of them was there to make sure it didn't happen. Uh, but you know, and I remember in the one I had, one of them was uncover. There's a traitor. You don't know who it is, yeah. but you have to uncover them. Um, and then none of the others were guaranteed to be the traitor. 
So right. it was possible that they were trying to ferret out somebody who didn't exist. Right. Anyway, back in on this uh, for building one shots. Uh, we also wanted to have an ending. If you're doing a one shot, if you're doing a self-contained game, you need to have a final end goal that everybody's working towards. Yeah. And that's going to be where it all ends. Yeah. So in that order, we have the setting, the hook and the ending. Uh, where are your characters doing the thing that they're doing and then why are they doing it and then what what's the what's the climax of the story what's the end what's the final battle what's the the boss they're going to face whatever you whatever you want it to be what is that thing going to be and uh it's sort of a, a storytelling idea start at the beginning or the ending screwed up my own line there start at the ending so that you at least know what the ending is and then you start working back backwards from that um okay so now that so the ending is they're fighting the 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 major boss you know the ending is bruce willis in the uh in, in you know in in the tower facing off against hans gruber you know with uh um his gun duct taped to his to his back that's the ending all right that's the final thing um well how did he get there what are the steps that get him to that point and you just work backwards from that. Where is he before that? Where is he before that? And so on and so forth. Um, why is he so beat up? Well, he had to run through glass. He's fought, you know, half a dozen, you know, uh, uh, um, terrorists, essentially, or robbers, really. But he's taken all of those steps. But from a gaming perspective, look at the last thing that they're going to do and work backwards until you get to the beginning. And then that should flesh out all your encounters. That should be all the encounters you need and included in those. Okay. How do they get certain information? Who has the information? So that when they start out asking around town, you know, do they go to the tavern keeper? Do they actually know anything? Or is there a noble Lord who knows what's going on? Actually, your, your, your reference there kind of, you know, maybe come up with good inspiration because I mean, die hard could be the inspiration for a one shot story. Yeah, exactly. One shot story. Arc. Movies really are. And if you there's think about a lot it. of others that I think would fit into a lot of this things that we're talking about, you know, with the structure and the, the layout and the way you run it. Uh, the next one my mind went to was Commando. Yep, it's a very straight line. Okay, you need you're playing John Matrix, and you need to escape, get away from the bad guys, rescue the daughter, yep. take care of all that. It's all very you know set into that single containment without needing to to branch off like. Exactly. Would. The, the big the big scene in Commando is he goes all commando on this on this freaking encampment and eventually he faces off against the big bad villain at the end. He kills an entire army without reloading. Exactly. Uh, 80s action. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's yeah. the whole thing. So that's that's the end. He, so the end really is he has to go to the secret base and or yeah, the secret base fight through an army on his own and then face off against the, the main villain. That's the ending. And then you work backwards from that, right. you know, until you get to the hook as to why he's even involved in this in the first place. And that's your story. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of mysteries work with start with the ending, go backwards. So yeah. this is, this is not an unused um, story structure. So, now that we've we've talked quite a bit. This is all this or most of this is very much in preparation, right. getting ready to run the games. Um, we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about actually running. Mm -hmm. 
the games. And we also brought brought up a couple times with with the railroading, um, with pressure. It, it should be a decision that you make as a DM as to whether or not to have uh, some sort of deadline or some sort of pressure in play when you're doing a one shot to keep people focused on. Um, it's very common to have these have a timeline so that players don't go, well, I want to go off and explore the woods for for you know, to see what's out there, or I want to spend a week researching this. You know, we, we want to have something to keep them moving, keep them going along, lead them by the nose. You said earlier, yeah. Um, just have a deadline to put pressure in place so that the players don't dawdle and advance the story. Yeah. I personally like the idea of having a quote unquote in and out of game timer, like one of those. Okay. We have six hours to do this one shot, like everyone or everyone's going to be over for six hours. I'm going to plan this game to run, let's say probably about, you know, say five of those hours, you know, a half hour of like hanging out, chilling a half hour afterwards to cool down. Yeah, there'll be interruptions, you know, so, okay, we will sit down. I'll do the setup. I'll get through like kind of like the hook and do all that. And then. Whatever the situation is, say, like, maybe it's escape the dungeon or maybe it's you oh, save the princess or whatever the situation is. But actually say you you like say you have four hours to accomplish this and like flip a timer or turn a timer on or something like that and be like, you know, you have four hours until, you know, they kill her or like maybe it's a kidnap, you know, ransom situation. Yeah. Like, OK, they kidnap the princess. They want payment in four hours or they're going to kill her. So like now you're on a timer and have it be a real life and in game timer. So like, okay, well, you know, in their mind, like everything's happening in real time. I mean, sort of not really real time because, you know, time is relative in game. Right, right. Um, but in, in character combats take seconds while right. out, of, out of character combats can take hours. Exactly. But it's still, like you said, it's putting that pressure on them. They know that like, okay, we have four hours to save the princess Yeah. period. Like we have a timer right there in our face, letting us know we have four hours to accomplish this goal. We now have a very tangible real time, you know, uh, 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 conclusion or, um, time limit to reach the conclusion for this today's one shot. So then you, you, you have the pressure on both fronts. Like they know it's an in-game timer. So it's not just this, Hey, I, I turned a timer on. We need to hopefully be done by the game, you know, with the game by then. And two, you know, it's keeping the pressure on the player. Cause if the player doesn't feel the pressure, then that's not going to be correctly translated into the character. You know, that's one of those things that we've kind of touched on a little bit in the past or you know, that I've mentioned before is like trying to elicit a real emotional response from players so that it translates into their role playing or to, you know, into their character. Because if a player is not scared, then a lot of times the character is not scared. You know what I mean? They have to take a an active and conscious, you know, uh, approach to role play the character as scared or nervous if they're not really scared or nervous themselves. Right. So to just elicit that kind of natural response. So I like the idea of having, uh, you know, that actual pressure being in both places simultaneously, you know, existing on all fronts. But you can do just an in-game timer. You can do an out-of-game timer. Okay, guys, look, we have six hours to play this game. Let's hopefully be done by then. Or it could be one of those in-game, like, okay, well, uh, by sundown, in-game, yep. you know, they're going to kill her. Okay. What time is it now? It's about 11 a.m. in-game. Let's see what happens. Yep. Yeah. I also want to had the image while you're talking about that. It's setting up the timer. And so again, it's running in real time. It's like, okay, now we all need to sit around the table quietly for 10 minutes while you guys are putting your armor on. <laughs> and now you're going to walk down to the docks. Okay, that's another 15-minute walk. So we got to wait 15 minutes until you guys, <laughs> yeah, characters, right. arrive. Right. Running a real-time game would be so annoying. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? 
You have six seconds to kill the goblin. <laughs> you have three rounds. You need to tell me everything you're going to do to kill the goblin in the next 18 seconds. I'm going to stab him. <laughs> Lots. I rolled this, 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 and this. <laughs> He's dead. Um, we, ha- we have a note that, that I came up with something that I do for one shots uh, a lot is the optional encounters. I try yeah. to come up with one encounter that doesn't or not one, not necessarily an encounter, but one like scene, as it were, that doesn't have a direct impact on the plot so that you can take it out or put it in to adjust the, the length that mm-hmm. you're running. Um, so if you're running a little long, like things have taken longer than you're expecting, you can cut this out and the players aren't going to miss it. Yeah. And then if you're like, oh, man, we're on track to finish like an hour and a half early. I can throw this extra scene in, flesh things out a bit more, give people a little more detail, maybe give somebody a little extra chance to shine and stretch out the game to fit the time frame a little bit better. Yeah, I, I encourage that. I would also encourage GMs to think of almost other than maybe the last one or like the very key ones, all of your encounters are somewhat optional. Um, for instance, when I ran for King and Country at uh, PortCon, I had an entire sort of half dungeon crawl, half, you know, sort of wade through encounter at a mansion uh, where they were going to meet, uh, you know, a very key player in the uh, in what was going on in the plot line. But I knew that we had, you know, we only had like an hour left, so I couldn't get through the encounter they were about to do, then have them go over to this mansion and do the encounter there and then have them go do the final encounter. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to put some of those key players from the mansion encounter. I'm going to just put that in the encounter we're doing right now. I'm going to change some stuff up so that when they win this encounter, they have all of the information they need to go straight to the final encounter because we don't have time for it. Yeah. Between between improv and prep, even though we said earlier there's a lot of prep going on, there's also improv needed to be able to react to where are we at in the story? Where are we at in the time frame? How can we line those up better? Mm-hmm. You want to plan for the unplannable. <laughs> By definition, you can't do that. <laughs> um, and we do have have a note on here as well about why. Why run a one shot? Yeah. Um, we which we there's a lot of different reasons. Um, the convention game, the the pork yeah. like the pork on games, you were Never, you may never see those people again, but it's a yep. chance to sit down and have fun with people you've never played before. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of very practical reasons for one, running one shots other than just like, hey, let's sit down and play a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the first one is, is actually, you know, uh, similar to one of our, our recent podcasts with the whole like, you know, taking a break. You know, like if I'm, you know, Jerry's running all the time, he needs just like, look, I'm, I don't want to stop my campaign. We're in the middle of a really cool part, but just, I just need a break this yeah. week. Hey Ed, can you run a one shot for me, real, you know, just for this week, and then I'll pick it up next week. I yeah. just I need I need a restaurant behind you, whatever. So, boom, Ed runs a one shot. Very practical. Uh, I think there's some lear- kind of like I I like to I've had some ideas for one shots that I've wanted to run as kind of like almost like learning exercises, not just for the players but for me as well. Like there's um a system called Dungeon World that I've wanted to try out yep. just because it is oh, like yeah. it's a diceless system. Um, so, or um, maybe, yeah, I think it's a diceless system is the whole, th- um, whole point of it. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read, read through the, uh, the book, but I know the big thing is like, there's, there's really no like, um, 
big rules for combat was kind of one of the things that it, it talked about. Um, so yeah, just the idea of like, okay, you just literally role play yourself through a combat. Like there's no dice. You don't roll and say, Hey, well, I, I rolled an 18 for to hit. And then I did a six damage. It's just tell me what you want to do. And I'll tell you what happens. I uh, kill all the things. Yeah. yeah. I made everything fall down, go boom. So that would be kind of a fun, you know, that would kind of teach everyone to learn to be more articulate, more descriptive, uh, you know, be able to just, you know, in general, just kind of role play or, or narrate their actions a little bit better, just as a little kind of like a little workshop sort of thing. Uh, another one would be if you have a lot of players like every time he's always a barbarian, he's always a wizard. He, you know, uh, this, you know, she likes to always play a ranger. Like they're just kind of stuck in a rut and they always, you know, even if they're not always the same class, they're always the same. Like I'm always a martial class. I'm always a caster. This person's always a rogue type thing. You could make some pre-gen characters like we talked about, sit down and mix it up. Like today right. you're playing a rogue. Right. It's just for one shot. You might hate it the whole time, but you might like it. You always play a rogue. You're today. You're playing the wizard. You're always playing, you know, the dumb brute barbarian today. You're going to be the cleric. You're going to be the healer. You're going to see the other side of the coin. You know, and just kind of like mix up everyone's roles. And again, another cool little exercise. And it's just a one shot. Everyone could be miserable the whole time and hate it. But someone could fall in love with a new character type. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you say they could be miserable. But usually once you get into the playing, yeah. once you start playing and you start having some fun with it, it's usually one of those. Right. I mean, I'm saying the extreme of like, you know, worst case scenario. But again, it's a one shot. So it's not like, hey, you're not stuck playing the yeah, character. For right. the rest, if they you know, do, forever. if they don't like it. Oh, well. Yeah, but at least you you force them to you know to take a little taste of a different you know of something else. And again, a lot of players it might either even if they don't like you know what I still prefer playing a fighter, but it was enlightening. I now I I get what you're this person's going through, and sometimes I didn't understand their frustrations as just standing around healing all the time. But now I kind of get it and that kind of thing. And like you sort of you sort of mentioned, but then sort of uh, uh, moved away from it a bit. New new gaming. Uh, uh New, new gaming systems. Yeah, new systems in general. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. you... Yeah, yeah, the, that actually reminds me of... Uh, I'm going to have to pitch a, a, a one-shot from a different system for you guys later. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you've finally come across the Fudge system or the GURP system or any other system that you're like, man, it'd be really cool to play a game for this, see, what, see if everyone likes it. Mm -hmm. Okay, build a game for it. Yeah. Tell everyone yeah. I'd like to run a one-shot. Let's schedule when to make characters for it and then when to do it. And you some know. of that might be, hey, we might have found a new cool system that we want to play on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. And some of it might just be to every system has strengths and weaknesses. You know, no system's perfect. And some systems, again, kind of like Dungeon World, like where it, it's a diceless system. It focuses on being, you know, descriptive and role playing. So that's uh, a skill that you can kind of hone a little bit in that system that you could also hone in several other systems, but again, that system, yeah. you know, is specifically kind of geared towards honing that particular skill set so that you can bring it back to your normal game. So then you can go to Vampire and go, well, I don't normally do a lot of political uh, kind of stuff in my D&D games, but we're going to do this Vampire game, which is a little bit of a better system for doing kind of political stuff, you know, like we talked about a little bit, which is obviously, you know, just an opinion you know, yeah. results may vary. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, role playing is role playing, but yeah. uh, no, I you definitely you can you can use one offs to hone certain skills, but also just to learn new systems. Yeah. I think, yeah, just to you know, maybe maybe you just out. came across you know Shadowrun and you've always heard about people talking about it and they seem to have fun, so you want to figure it out, so you want to mm -hmm. run a Shadowrun game. I wouldn't suggest Shadowrun as a one off yeah. system just because character creation is pretty in depth. I've I've played. 
Some shadow yeah. run. It's a, a a complex system, so yeah, I might not choose that as a So one. maybe not that know. one, but there are plenty of other examples that work. You know, yeah, any I, of the D20 stuff. I got to try to talk you guys into doing a Deadlands one-shot at some point. I am down. Um, you know me. Uh, I think I'll one play other, any one-shot once. <laughs> <laughs> I think one other very important usage of one-shots, and that is the introductory game for new gamers. Come over for an afternoon. There's no commitment. We're going to play a game. If you like it, we can fit you into the regular game. We'll add a player, you know, to give somebody a shot. Because there's a lot of people out there that you bring up Dungeons and Dragons and the response. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that, but I've never had a chance to do it. Oh, well, let's play a short game so you can try it. You can try it if you don't like it. Oh, I don't want to interfere. No, it won't be an interference. This is specifically what this is for, you know. And you can have the people who don't get enough gaming from your regular group. That'll be in to fill in those other seats at the table. And they can help. Why'd you both just stare at me all the Because you're an addict. Yeah. Um, he's in something like four weekly games and a couple of monthly games and still complains that he's not Honestly, I've lost count. <laughs> so, um, I got another reason, too. Um, they're fun. Yeah. If it's if it's put together well enough and everyone's into it, because it's such a, a compact game, you when you design it, you're probably going to put your some of your best ideas into it. Like, okay, it's compact, so I really only have a couple of NPCs I can throw in. I'm gonna put in some really good NPCs. I only have a couple of traps or puzzles I can throw in. I'm putting some really good traps or puzzles. And even from the player's point of view, they're not as attached to the characters. I exactly. had a game I had a one shot that I played in that was it was a World War Two game and two of the players decided that, yes, they are going to rush the enemy's entrenched position because if these characters die, it's a one shot. Yeah. But we needed to take that position. And they rushed and one of them was badly wounded and one of them was hurt, but they took the position. It was it was an awesome moment. Yeah. But they wouldn't have tried that if, well, we've been playing these characters for three years. I don't want to risk them on this. Yeah, and a lot of times in campaigns, you might be tempted to take your character a little too seriously. Yeah. Um, Especially longer arcs, you might come up with like a more serious style character. Even if you're regularly having fun with that character, which I do in campaigns anyways, you might take them a little bit more seriously. Whereas in a one-off, it's like, oh, so my big badass barbarian got terrified by a spell? What do I care? It's one gaming session. I'm going to play up how scared he is. It's going to be funny as hell. He screams like a little girl, doesn't he? Yeah, something like that, you know, or you pees his pants or something, you know. I mean, it was magic. That's what made him do it. But yeah, you can definitely go for more slapstick. Ho, friends, I have soiled my loincloth. Another reason that I actually mentioned in the pre-show that I forgot is um, kind of experimenting or playtesting on for like the GM, like, you know, trying out new, like maybe I just, I want to try out some trap ideas or I want to play a game where I kind of oh, lean yeah. away from combat. I want to do some more puzzles and like, I want to get some more experience running or trying different things in the game, but I don't want to, you know, maybe like screw it up or maybe I don't, I won't like it and I might not want it in my, my, uh, my campaign or even play testing. Like maybe I made up my, a homebrew class and I want to play test it and make sure it's not overpowered or underpowered. Yeah. You know, you, you bring that up. That reminds me, I, I did that once. I had this trap that I wanted to design for a campaign, uh, but I, I, I felt in my head that maybe I made it too powerful for my group. So I got some friends to like just make up characters of equal level and like go through the 
the a, like an encounter here, an encounter there, then the trap, and then an encounter after it, uh, just to test it. Uh, turns out I was wrong. It was way underpowered, but I was scared a little bit like, oh, no, what did I do to my group? <laughs> I can't put them through this. I should test it first. So that's a really good point. Yep. Um, another nice benefit of one shots is the, the looking at it as a test is you can play the same one shot with multiple groups and yeah. it's a game you already know how it runs. I, uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about the Warhammer fantasy role play and I ran a one shot for them which was something I had actually designed a couple of years before and ran for a group who wanted to try it. And I ran it once in the intervening years. So I've run that same one shot three times with three different groups. Mm -hmm. And I know how it kind of goes. And it's interesting to also look at it and see how the different groups handle it. Yeah. Um, My group wasn't your first group. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, and that's true. I and told you that when I ran it. <laughs> a lot of the published material out there, like you'll have the big campaign stuff, like they have like Princess of the Apocalypse is a, a campaign that gets you to like from first to 15th level. But they also have the smaller modules out there that are meant to be essentially one shots. You know, maybe you can do it in one sitting. Uh, the D&D. All right. What's the D&D equivalent of Pathfinder Society? Is it Adventurers? The, the Adventurers Guild? Guild? Adventurers League. Uh, so like the D&D Adventurers League, um, a lot of those are essentially meant to be one shots. You make a character, you post the character, you put them through a little dungeon. Someone runs that dungeon. You know, maybe it's three to four hours. Maybe it's up to six hours, but that's all it is. So there's plenty of material out there that you can use for your one shot. Uh, if you you know, maybe are having trouble coming up with your own idea that's out there. If you definitely want to make your own thing, like we talked about earlier, check out movies, see how those run and make something sort of similar to that. You know, there's plenty of plenty of material out there for your one shot. All right. Well, we're also going to be wrapping it up there. Um, if you'd like to give us any comments on one shots you've run or ideas or have questions, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, it's easy to contact us on Facebook we're also on Twitter at gmsstudios.com. You can subscribe and support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamemasterstudios and get access to uh, early sneak peeks of some of the stuff we're doing, a little bit of exclusive content going on there as well. Um, we are here with new episodes every week with new information on gaming. And we have launched our YouTube uh, 360 VR video game in which you can watch uh, Jarrett Right now, Jared is running. Ed and I are playing along with a couple of our other gamer buddies. And you can kind of see us putting some of our stuff and tips and tricks into play at the table and every now and then missing opportunities to do so. Watch us play. Join so, us at the table. So we are going to wrap it up for there. We'll be back next week with more information. Feel free to get in touch if you'd like to talk about today's episode or anything you'd like to hear. And as usual, we'll see you the next time that we are in the studio.